This is the On The Banks Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Aaron Brightman. Welcome to episode 91 of On The Banks Podcast. This is Aaron Brightman, managing editor of On The Banks and host. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We have a lot to cover tonight. We're one day after Rutgers senior night. Uh, men's basketball defeated Indiana at home 74-63 in dramatic fashion, come from behind victory, down 15 in the first half. Geo Baker, plenty of heroics. We'll get into that. Lucky to have Brad Wachtel, uh, bracketologist or Faxon Brax, with us to talk about the tournament picture and break down all the different scenarios where Rutgers is at right now. Um, but first, I just wanted to cover the week that was with Rutgers Sports. A very busy week. Um, not only did we have spring sports get into high gear, but we also had soccer for the first time it, taking place in the spring after it was postponed in the fall due to COVID. Men's and women's soccer kicked off last Friday, both with huge wins. The men's team, second year uh, for head coach Jim McKeldry, and they uh, beat Michigan State on the road for the first time in program history. A 2 nothing win. Sophomore Jackson Temple had two assists. And uh, we had newcomer Richie Barry, high-profile transfer from St. Joe's, scored the first goal early. So a huge win for men's soccer. Michigan State was projected to finish fifth in the conference, Rutgers seventh. So it was a great way to start. They've hence, uh, since played a ranked Penn State team. They lost 2-1 to one earlier this week. Jackson Temple scored the goal. But much uh, very competitive start to the season. I, I really have high hopes for, for head coach Jim McEldry. I think Rutgers men's soccer is really on the way up. And definitely a great start to the season. Women's soccer obviously has been the most consistent and successful program within Rutgers uh, over the last decade, really. And they played their arch rival Penn State to start the season, who was the preseason favorite for Big Ten. Rutgers was picked fourth, and Rutgers won. Come from behind victory, Amira Ali scored two goals twice in the second half. So huge win for women's soccer to get off uh, and, and really put themselves in a position to really compete for the Big Ten title this year. They finished second previous two seasons, so this is a great start. In addition, we had men's and women's lacrosse. So men's lacrosse, huge, huge win. Uh, they take down number six, Penn State, at home, 11-9. It was the debut of the Curse brothers, Connor Curse and Colin Curse, high-profile transfers from uh, Villanova and Lehigh. Connor Curse is a uh, preseason All-American, had a great game, seven points, Three goals, four assists. Adam Charlambides is back once again, had three goals. And then uh, Colin Kirsten goal uh, had 15 saves. So just a huge win to beat number six, Penn State. Rutgers moved up to number 10 in the polls and has a huge match at Ohio State this weekend, uh, another top 10 team. So great start for men's lacrosse. And then women's lacrosse picked up the first Big Ten win for head, uh, new head coach Melissa Lehman. They beat Johns Hopkins on the road for the first time in program history. In addition... Rutgers Volleyball, uh, uh, as we know, has been really probably the program that struggled the most since joining the Big Ten. They were 3-117 and 117 over the previous six years. And under new head coach, Caitlin Schweighoffer, they now have two Big Ten wins this season alone. They beat Iowa on the road in five sets this past weekend. And the previous... Uh, previous uh, week they actually took a set off number four Nebraska so now their uh, second win this season after only having three in conference play the previous six quite a start for her tenure at Rutgers and then gymnastics they, they didn't win 
but they produced their highest road meet score in program history and third highest in program history total. Um, head coach uh, Salim Beasley is really starting to turn that program around. So there's so much to be excited for with Rutgers Athletics right now. But really the story, aside from men's basketball, has been women's basketball. They won their sixth straight Big Ten game on Wednesday night. Right now at fourth place at the Big Ten with winning percentage. They're 11-3 overall, 7-3 in conference play. Arella Garantes finally has that wingman, so to speak, in uh, Diamond Johnson, who is uh, in the top five in the country in three-point shooting. Uh, she led the way last night with 22 points. And the Rutgers defense has just been phenomenal. They held their 13th uh, opponent under their scoring average in 14 games this year. Uh, and it was their fifth straight Big Ten opponent. They held them to 50 points, excuse me, 60 points, which is the first time they've done that since joining the conference. So a lot to be excited about with them. And uh, hopefully they can finish strong. And uh, we're looking at a potential scenario of Rutgers men's and women's basketball making the NCAA tournament for the first time since 1991. So now let's, uh, let's transition to men's basketball. And we're going to welcome in Brad Wachtel to talk about uh, the NCAA tournament picture for Rutgers. Time to talk to the reporters. Here's your host, Aaron Brightman. It's my pleasure now to welcome in Brad Wachtel, bracketologist, also former uh, Rutgers head student manager during the Gary Waters era, also worked at the Hoop Group for many years and was director of basketball administration under Eddie Jordan at Rutgers. But the last uh, five years, Brad, or a few years, has been doing bracketology and is ranked fourth out of uh, about over 100 different brackets in terms of accuracy. So I thought it was really important to get Brad back. He was with Lance last year. I wanted to talk to him about the current projections for Rutgers, the differences in the tournament this year. And Brad, thanks so much for joining us. Look forward to, to getting into it with you. Appreciate it. Just kind of starting things off, obviously it's a very unique year. You know, there's a lot less non-conference games this year. The tournament itself is going to be played in one regional location in Indianapolis. Road games have obviously been very different in terms of no fans. Just wanted to get your take on how you're looking at that from your point of view uh, when you're projecting the brackets and, and how that might affect things in a different way versus years past. Yeah, it's definitely a different year. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, the, the biggest thing that I would say is obviously the fact that there's no fans in the stands. So my biggest question for the NCAA committee, which we don't really have a clear answer on, is are road wins going to count like they did in past years? Is that is that going to matter? My hunch is that, yes, it's still going to play the same way it's played in past years, just because it's way too difficult to start trying to figure out, like, there are some teams that had fans, some teams didn't have fans. So if you're a team like Rutgers, who last year really struggled on the road, and that was probably the one piece of their resume that was an issue, fortunately, that's not an issue for them this year. But if you take a look at a team like Minnesota, who has a lot of high-level wins, um, but they haven't won a game away from home yet. Is the committee going to factor that in? Because uh, they're right now they're one of my my first few teams out of the tournament. I think they will because uh, it's still there's still an advantage to playing at home, waking up in your your own bed, you know, eating the same food and stuff as opposed to waking up in a hotel. And you know, it's just it's different playing on different rims with a different basketball. So there's a, there's a lot of things that are different, but that is the number one thing that stands out for me is how are the committee, how is the committee going to judge each victory without fans as, as well as the fact that there really wasn't much non-conference play 
uh, for most teams. A lot of teams may have only had three or four non-conference games. So you're really just judged on what you've done in conference. And for a conference like the Big Ten, best conference in the country, deepest conference in the country, almost every game you play is going to be a quadrant one or quadrant two game. Right. So I wanted to ask you about that in terms of is the way that the schedules played out for, for most teams, is that an advantage for high major power five conferences in terms of potentially getting uh, more teams in this year versus uh, your mid to low ma- mid major kind of at large bids also with you touched on strength the schedule with big 10 right now i think all 14 teams are in the top 20 obviously due to less non-conference games so take that two parts big 10 how does the outlook look for how many teams and then overall for the landscape in terms of high majors versus mid majors in years past yeah in terms of high majors and mid majors it's definitely an advantage for high major teams right now, uh, simply because of opportunities. Uh, you have a ton more opportunities playing at a high major level. Take a look at the Big Ten and the Big 12 and you know even other high major conferences that are not doing as well, but they still have teams that are in the net top 100 like the Big East and the ACC and the Pac-12. Smaller conferences don't have those opportunities. So unless they were fortunate enough to schedule a game in non-conference play, and win one of those games, it's really difficult for a mid-major team to really separate itself and, and get into the tournament. You've got to have the quality wins. The one mid-major conference, I will say, um, that has multiple teams that will be in the NCAA tournament is the Mountain West Conference. Um, they're probably going to get at least three teams, possibly four teams. That's one of the leagues where you'll see a few teams there. But yeah, if you're a high-major team, you have the opportunities for more wins. You also have the opportunities for more losses. So you're going to see some high major teams that have records against quadrant one opponents like five and nine, which on the face of it doesn't look very good. But if you get five wins over quadrant one teams, that means something, especially in the committee's eyes. And that'll definitely help you um, in terms of getting in as well as seating. As far as the Big Ten goes, uh, in terms of how many teams can they get right now? My, my guess is telling me it's probably going to be nine teams. You have, you know, the, your top six, and then you have Rutgers, and then you have bubble teams like Michigan State, uh, Minnesota, uh, as well as Indiana. It's probably going to be eight or nine teams, and it's going to depend how all these teams play down the stretch, and, as well as Maryland is another team I'm, I'm forgetting about. I think it's going to come down to Maryland, for example, has a soft schedule to end the season. I think they're going to get in as long as they beat the teams they're supposed to beat. Indiana has a extremely difficult schedule down the stretch. Aside from the first, you know, five to seven minutes of the game against Rutgers last night, they have not looked very good at all. And they're really they're two and nine versus quadrant one opponents, which is just not not a good percentage. And then you have a team like Michigan State, who is kind of coming out of nowhere. They don't have any bad losses, and I think their team, if they can, they have a big game tonight uh, against Ohio State. I think if they can win tonight, all of a sudden they find themselves in the tournament. Um, and then there's a lot, long list of bubble teams, and Minnesota, of course, is a team that has, who we discussed earlier, is a team that has not won away from home, um, and they're dealing with injuries. We'll see how they finish down the stretch, but not looking great for them either. 
So, Brad, before we get into the resume of Rutgers, I wanted to ask, just in terms of the abnormalities of this season that you kind of touched on, the net ranking, you know, it's still fairly new. I know I've seen some of your comments uh, on Twitter this year, just in terms of, you know, after certain games, there's been jumps in rankings. Colgate, I know, was kind of an anomaly of how high they were ranked. Is there anything that you've learned from your perspective about the net rankings this year because of different circumstances, or is it still kind of an enigma? No, it still it still has its flaws. Um, and, and one of the things that's, that bothers me about it, that has bothered me about it, is is that winning doesn't matter as much as maybe you know the RPI did when the RPI was relevant. And, I, and I've mentioned this before, a team like Penn State, who is five games under 500, and they're still in the top 40 of the net. Like, that's not, that's just not right. I, I feel like... There has to be more of a weight put on, hey, this team is winning games. Even if, you know, a team like like Belmont, who has one loss, you know, I, I just feel like it's not, not enough is done to reward the teams that are actually winning. But you know what? That being said, with, with everything going on with COVID, and yes, like you mentioned, Colgate is the one team that's kind of sticking out like a sore thumb. Even the RPI had teams like that that were ranked too high. NCA committee still did not put them in because they didn't deserve to be in. So I'm not worried about them like getting an at-large bid. That's not going to happen. So there, there's definitely things that need to be fixed. I, I still think it's a it's a pretty good measuring tool. It's hard to get it perfect, but it's a piece of the puzzle. So we're speaking with Brad Wachtel. Let's get into the meat of it. Rutgers right now, one night after the win over Indiana, they're 13 and nine, nine and nine in Big Ten play. Their uh, quad one, their four and eight uh, record of four and eight, quad two, five and one. No bad losses, four and oh in quad three and four games. As of today, right now, based on everything that's going on, where do you project them in the NCAA tournament? Right now, I have Rutgers as a number eight seed, safely in the NCAA tournament. Like you said, four and eight against quadrant one, you know, not a great percentage, but four wins is solid. And when you combine quadrant one and two, they're nine and nine, which is also very solid. And another big thing is that they don't have any bad losses. Uh, what's what's been good for Rutgers is getting that win over Illinois. At the beginning of the season was was obviously huge, and that's their best win of the season. But also winning at teams like at Maryland, winning games on the road and at and at Indiana against teams that are potential tournament teams. You know, not just beating the bottom feeders. Other than Illinois, you know, Purdue's a good win too. The other wins are all, you know, middle of the pack wins, which are which are solid. But getting those road wins against quality teams, I think, is what helped propel Rutgers net to get to 30 overall. I think that's really, really important. And that's something that they were missing last year and, and that they have this year. So in terms of scenarios, let's just talk a couple hypotheticals, if you don't mind. There's Nebraska next week on Monday on the road and then at Minnesota the following Saturday. So let's start with, let's just say, dream scenario, Rutgers wins both of those games. What do you think that will do for the resume, and where would you theoretically put them in the ballpark range-wise, seed-wise? Well, it'll also depend on what they do in the Big Ten tournament, but if we're just talking about heading into the Big Ten tournament, a win at Nebraska is probably not going to change their seed. It's something that they need to do. But the great part is, if they do it, they're going to the NCAA tournament. And then getting a win at Minnesota... That would be a solid win. That's a potential win that could bump them up a seed, get them up to a seven seed. And then it's going to depend on Big Ten tournament, who do you play? You know, right now they could get seven, eight, or nine seed and they're playing a bubble team, uh, such as 
Maryland, Indiana, or Minnesota, or Michigan State. So a loss really would, wouldn't harm them there. I don't know if one win in the tournament could get them up another seed. You might need two for that. So right now, I think you're looking at if you can, if you can win the next three games, you should be a solid seven seed. And let's just say they get to that point, and then you're in the second round, or excuse me, third, uh, I guess it'd be the quarterfinals of the Big Ten. So they'd be playing probably a one, two, or three seed. Say they get a win there. Is there potential to even jump even higher to a six seed? Yes, I, I do believe that. Because now you're adding a, a win over a potentially top 10 team in the net. And that's, that's a game changer. You know, Minnesota, like I said, would be a good win on the road. But not, not necessarily a game changer. Winning, it, winning against a Michigan, an Illinois, an Iowa, Ohio State, that would do some things. And yeah, I think the potential could be there to get them up to a six seed. And a lot will also depend on uh, how other teams in their projected seed vicinity do. So everybody else that I ha- currently have is a six or a seven or an eight seed or a nine seed. Like, what are those teams doing in their conference tournaments? Are they doing better than Rutgers is? Are they doing worse? So a lot depends on other teams as well, not just Rutgers. So it's not, I can't give you a definitive answer on that. If you knock off a team at the top of the Big Ten, there's a pretty good chance you're going to get bumped up a seed. Brad, it's totally understandable to say Rutgers is on the bubble. It seems like kind of, that's even weird in itself. So the fact that we're even talking about them being firmly in right now. So let's just say they beat Nebraska on Monday. They lose at Minnesota. Let's, let's say they win that first round game in the Big Ten tournament and then lose. Uh, maybe, you know, odds wise, that's the most realistic scenario. Where do you think they would land there hypothetically? Based on- if, if that happens, they will be, they'll be in the 8-9 game. You said if they if they win the first game of the conference tournament or lose. I was thinking if they, let's do both, but I'm saying if they win. The so if they game. win, if they win, I believe they'll be in the eight nine game. If they lose, it'll probably be more like the nine or ten game. Which brings up an interesting situation because in, in so so let's talk about projections in terms of matchups. If you get in that eight nine game, and the way things are looking with you know Michigan, Ohio State, potentially Illinois as potential one seeds. Would that pretty much put Rutgers in a scenario they'd be up against a Baylor or Gonzaga in round two? Yeah, it, it actually would. The, the NCAA committee is not going to match up Big Ten team against another Big Ten team in round two. Um, is it possible it could happen? Sure, but I don't think that's something that they would that they would do. So yeah, now all of a sudden, you know, first of all, as a Rutgers fan, you can't complain. If, you, if you're <laughs> in the NCAA tournament and you win your first round game and now you're playing Gonzaga you got nothing to lose. So nobody's, you know, it's, it's basically like you're playing with house money and it's something that would be awesome to see. Uh, and, you, and you never know anything's possible, but I would say, and it's crazy, as crazy as it may sound, Rutgers could be better off. You know, let's say they split the next two, win at Nebraska, lose at Minnesota. They could be better off losing in the first round of a conference tournament with it, with the hope of getting them a 10 seed as opposed to being in that 8-9 game, as crazy as that sounds. I thought that's where you were going. So let's say disaster scenario, they lose at Nebraska on Monday, they lose at Minnesota, they stumble into the Big Ten tournament. Where would we be? Win first round, loss second round, or loss straight up? So you head into the tournament, three losses in a row. Well, then every Rutgers fan around the country is going to be drenched in sweat because it's coming down to Selection Sunday, you're going to be the last four in or you're going to be in the first four out. And 
like I said before, a lot of that is going to hinge on how other teams on the bubble perform. But it, it would not be a good thing to lose three in a row um, while everybody else around the country is still playing games. And you have to remember, there are also bid stealers that could happen. Teams from, for example, a team like out of the American Conference, Houston is the is the one team, if they don't win their conference tournament, that is a potential bid stealer. So if Wichita State is not a lock in that conference to get a bid, and they go on and win the tournament, that's one less bid that's going to be out there because Houston is going to be in the tournament. So you're playing with fire. A loss to Nebraska potentially could, could really hurt your net uh, significantly if it's a bad loss. Probably not enough to, to, to you know, get you – probably it could get you into the 40s. I don't think it would be too bad. Uh, but again, you're playing with fire, and you're better off getting that one win – Go in at Nebraska, and uh, then you could you could breathe. So let's say that they lose lose out the regular season, lose Nebraska, lose Minnesota, but they do win that first Big Ten game. So if that happens, I think they'll end up as either a ten or an eleven seed. Basically, we're looking at one more win. We're looking at pretty much a guarantee that Rutgers will go to the NCAA tournament for the first time in thirty years. That is correct. Just uh, moving off those projections, in terms of, you know, I've loved some of your projections you've done week after week. So in terms of uh, what you do, it's facts and bracks, correct? It's called facts and bracks. I have my, it's something I came up with probably about 15 years ago. I have my page of facts that lists every team, every record, every net, all the metrics, record versus quadrants, your key wins, your bad losses, your past seeds. Those are the facts. And then the bracks are obviously the brackets. It's something I came up with and it kind of stuck. I read it often and you pulled at the heartstrings of Rutgers fans by doing a lot of projections with Rutgers either playing Seton Hall or Oregon in the either 8-9 game or 7-10 game. My question is, you know, the committee has, has made some decisions over the years where they have kind of you know, cater to fans maybe a little bit and, and put some kind of desirable matchups together. Is it more likely, less likely, or the same that based on the regionalness of this tournament, being in one state, that it's more likely that you could see more kind of, you know, fan-friendly matchups, let's say? I wouldn't say it's more likely. I would actually say it might be less likely just because because there's no, there's no you know, you're not playing all over the country and the committee is trying to put certain teams in the same region, everything is going to be based on the S-curve, which is basically, you know, you're ranking the teams from 1 to 68. So there is there is definitely a method to the madness that's going to be done. And while I still think that you could slide a team, you know, if, if the matchup seems right, I still think they'll do it because they've done it over and over again. So, so I would say slightly less likely, but probably not much of a difference. So just a couple more for you, Brad. Um, as a Rutgers fan, aside from what they need to take care of, who are teams that they should root for that could potentially help their net? Uh, I guess Michigan State would be a good example of that. Yeah, you're, you're rooting for all the teams that you have wins against. You're rooting for Michigan State. You're rooting for Maryland. Obviously, you're not rooting for Minnesota when you play them, but you're rooting for a team like Illinois. Let Illinois, assuming Rutgers doesn't win the Big Ten tournament, let <laughs> Illinois go win the Big Ten tournament. It'll just make that, that win look that much better um, and will only help your net. So it's basically, you're, you're looking at the teams that you've beaten, 
keep rooting for them as long as you're not playing them. And just going back to that uh, scenario you mentioned with Seton Hall, obviously they've, they've uh, been on the downturn lately. Where do you have them right now just with the possibility of, of you know, seed-wise, maybe they, they could see Rutgers but are they in right now in your mind? Uh, for my bracket update for tomorrow, they will be one of my first four teams out. Having a bad loss at Butler really hurt them, knocked their net into the mid-50s. They're 5-9 and nine against Quadrant 1 and 2 teams with, with that bad loss. Their only two key wins are against teams that are not even locks for the NCAA tournament in Xavier and UConn. They were on the road, which were quality wins. So they still have plenty of work to do. Um, as far as them getting matched up with Rutgers now, it's not looking great. Uh, I'll, I'll put it that way. Rutgers would have to, like you said earlier, potentially win two games in the Big Ten tournament. And Seton Hall is obviously going to have to start winning some games, win a couple games in their tournament, and maybe get up to you know a 10 or an 11 seed. Is it possible? Yes, but it's not as likely as we once thought it was. And just to kind of end things, um, obviously your experience uh, – you know, as a student and head student manager for Rutgers during the Gary Waters era, how how close did you feel that they were to breaking out and being that team that would make the NCAA tournament? And just from your personal experience, you know, how much does this mean to you now seeing that Rutgers is on the cusp of finally making it? Yeah, so going back to the 2003-2004 season, my goal, like, as a college basketball guy, as a team manager, I wanted to go to the NCAA tournament. That's all I wanted. We were on our way until we played that game at Virginia Tech and lost at the buzzer on a tip-in by their big seven-footer, Coleman Collins. I'll never forget it. Uh, With four and a half seconds left, they had the ball at half court, and it seemed like an eternity until that clock ran out. And they had a tip-in at the the end. And as soon as that happened, I literally just collapsed to the floor and said, I may never experience the NCAA tournament now. This was the chance. Heartbreaking isn't a good enough term to describe – how I felt at that moment. And then, like you said, I went and worked at Rutgers for six years. I worked under Mike Rice and Eddie Jordan. Didn't make the NCAA tournament, obviously. Under Mike Rice, we had some we had some teams that were pretty good, but obviously we know how that ended. So so now that now since Steve Peichel took over, he's really built an excellent culture. He's recruited guys that have that are under the radar guys, that are good kids, and most importantly, he's developed them. He's done a great job of developing guys and to see it all come together. This is something we all knew could happen. This could happen. And for it to finally happen or knock on wood, hopefully happen, it's, uh, it's going to be memorable because this is something. And for, for me, it's more so for all of the Rutgers fans that have been diehards through thick and thin because they've been through a lot, this fan base, and they deserve the NCAA tournament. So more so than anything, I'm going to be happy for all the fans, the season ticket holders, the donors, the court club, every single diehard fan that's been through it all. This is what they've been waiting for. And uh, hopefully this puts a huge smile on their faces. I hope that's the case. And I really, really appreciate your time. You can find them on Twitter at Brad underscore Wachtel, W-A-C-H-T-E-L. Facts and Brax is his site. You're updating pretty much daily now, correct? Yeah, starting next week, it's going to be updating uh, a few times a week. Yep. Well, I really appreciate it, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll be able to talk uh, when the bracket does come out, and uh, we'll, we'll look at that. But thanks so much for your time. Best of luck with everything, and thanks again. Sounds good. Thanks again for having me, Aaron. Thanks so much again to Brad Wachtel for joining us. 
you know, I really wanted to, to have him on the, the podcast. Obviously, his Rutgers history, being a uh, you know, manager back during the water era and being on the administrative side, the ops side, in recent history under uh, Mike Rice and Eddie Jordan. He certainly has a lot of perspective, but obviously with his bracketology right now, facts and bracks, he is one of the best out there. And uh, I really wanted to pick his brain on this very unique season and where Rutgers fits into it. So it's I, I just want to end on it's very easy to get caught up in expectations and where we had hoped this team would be. They, you know, they were picked preseason fifth in the Big Ten. They're, they're not going to come in at that way. But I think based on everything, and I think Brad makes a great point with the strength of schedule, the Big Ten, you know, right now Rutgers is the third strongest schedule in the country. The Big Ten is at historic level right now per Ken Palm. You know, they're uh, looking at the second strongest conference over the last two decades. So I think some perspective is needed there. And, you know, I was I was looking back at previous years with Kim Palm rankings and I, I was focusing on the, the history with Indiana. Rutgers has now won five of their last six against Indiana. That first win came in the Big Ten tournament 2018 at the Garden. When Rutgers upset Indiana, Corey Sanders went off. Geo Baker had some big moments uh, that really kind of started all of this. And uh, their Ken Palm ranking, just for perspective back then, was between 150 and 160 going into that. Today, they sit at 26. So I think it's really important as we go through this. Yes, we all want to go uh, to the NCAA tournament. I really think they will. Whatever seed they, they get, wherever they finish up in the Big Ten, this is the best Rutgers team we've had in, in, in many, many years. And I think with guys like Geo Baker, Jacob Young, and Miles Johnson, the effort that they've given as senior class, we all hope they return for next season. Nothing is a given. I think we really have to appreciate this next month and 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 really understand that, you know, there's not going to be another Geo Baker. There's not going to be another Miles Johnson. And uh, once you start making the NCAA tournament on a regular basis, which I really believe they will under Steve Beichel, this is the team that's always going to be remembered. So try, try to enjoy the journey as much as possible. And uh, we'll be back next week once we get into the end of the regular season with men's basketball. Lots of activity with the Olympic sports as well. So thanks again for listening. Be safe. Be well. Follow On The Banks on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Just search On The Banks Podcast.